0: Welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I'm your host, Sean Needham, and this is our midweek podcast, and I am super excited to have Brienne Dressen on our podcast today. She um, started a 501c3 um, uh, foundation regarding nonprofit, regarding um, covid 19 vaccine injuries and she actually has been injured herself and she's going to tell us her story. So without further ado, Brianne welcome to our show.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So tell us a little bit about your about your story. You've got quite a story there. Tell us about your story.
1: Yeah, so um, I was injured by the COVID vaccine when I enrolled in the clinical trial for AstraZeneca here in the United States and that was November of 2020. And my reaction started within an hour. I had severe paresthesias, pins and needles down my arm, um, the same arm as my shot. And later that night, my vision had become blurred and double. And uh, things just got worse from there. And so over the next two and a half weeks, I landed in the hospital um, for a four-night stay. Uh, I was in the ER four times before that. And I left the hospital uh, with the diagnosis of anxiety due to the COVID vaccine despite the fact that my legs were not working properly and I was incontinent. So from there, it started a long, arduous journey of fighting for my life for the next you know, year, literally. Uh, my husband, who's a chemist, he got to work right away trying to figure out what is wrong with me. Um, and he reached out to scientists all over the globe. And as part of that, he reached out to uh, the National Institutes of Health, and the um, ninds uh, it's a team a research team under uh, dr fauci and they in the first meeting we had with them they discussed this you know whether or not to keep astrazeneca in the running here in the united states and after my report of my injury from astrazeneca they pulled it off the market and so they went back to astrazeneca and said we don't believe your data you need to go back and try again And that same day they started a study on COVID vaccine injured individuals in America. And they flew 23 of us out and they studied um, hundreds more remotely. And um, they acknowledged us, they told us we had post. So I was diagnosed with post vaccine neuropathy from the National Institutes of Health while I was there. And they promised follow-up and they promised us that they would disclose this to the public. Uh, if we just you know, gave them some time and stayed quiet. So that's what we did. And about five, six months later, after we were all there, the National Institutes of Health and the researchers just went quiet. They just ghosted us and there went the data. And that was the data that was supposed to be disclosed to the public so the public could understand what was going on, but more importantly, so our medical you know, community would know what to do with this when we landed in emergency rooms. So after that, uh, we started a, a 501c3 nonprofit, we call it react19.org. And the, uh, the mission of React 19 is to provide physical, emotional, and financial support for those who are harmed by the COVID vaccine.
0: So did you, so it sounds like when you, when this first started happening, you probably had confidence in the NIH, I'm, I'm assuming, correct?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I was all in. I I had never had any issue with any previous vaccine. You know, lifetime vaccine taker. I'd even gotten my flu vaccine for um, the year of 2020, uh, like a month before my COVID shot. Um, so I had no reason to question, right? And my husband's a scientist. He understands the scientific process. We had been following the, you know, the progress and the research of the, of the COVID vaccines. But at the time, we didn't realize that the research that, you know, the drug companies were directly presenting to the media at that time was all smoke and mirrors, right? Um, We didn't realize how much of the data could be uh, messed with um, behind the scenes because the drug companies are running the clinical trials directly, which means there is a lot of room for major conflict of interest to happen. Um, so there are, you know, and, and when you actually drill down into the clinical trial data for every single um, um, vaccine, uh, COVID vaccine, those clinical trial reports are actually available for the public to view through the FDA website and the European medicine, medical um, agency. So between those two, if you actually look at them and then you compare the placebo placebo, placebo group to the actual vaccine arms, um, it's its definitely concerning. Uh, neurological complications, which is my primary complaint, uh, those are most prominent for all the vaccines. And cardiovascular complications are not mild, as we've been told in the media over and over and over, that myocarditis is mild. Um, according to those reports, 66% of those are serious. So it's, you know, it's, it's it's really frustrating to go from someone that trusted the science and trusted what you know everything i gave my life for this process right i i participated in the scientific process twice once when i enrolled in the clinical trial and the second time when i enrolled in the study at the national institutes of health um but i didn't do that for me you know i did that for the betterment of humanity i did that to help us get out of the pandemic What I didn't realize what I was actually signing up for was to be part of a big propaganda machine and because something bad happened to me and because it you know is now inconvenient right my injury is inconvenient to the drug companies uh now I've been I've been kicked off the team right so but now my quest is to still do what's right for humanity still push for truth and and push for what's best for society and for my own family, right, for my own kids, uh, and make sure that we leave this place um, a better place, a place where there are checks and balances for the drug companies, that tr- clinical trials can be run independently without major conflicts of interest and tweaking of a number here and there, you know? Um, so yeah, so that's, and to get all of these COVID vaccine injured, Individuals better restore our health, get our lives back to normal, and you know a little justice. You know, for the people that did this to us, would would also
0: right probably be a good thing. So (laughs) I'm guessing you have little to no communication with NIH now.
1: No, the last communication I had with them was um, I think it was like January of 2022. Um. And before that, you know, it was it was pretty regular communication. Um, it wasn't just you know, hey, we're going to bring you out. It was, hey, oh, your IVIG isn't working so well. Here, let's try monoclonal antibodies. They were having us try all of these different things that they were hearing from other patients that were working. Um, they knew then that there was a tie between the long COVID and what we are dealing with now. Um, with the COVID vaccines, they brought us in. So there was a long COVID arm of the study. And then there was a vaccine, COVID vaccine injured arm of the study, but they were both being run with the same protocols, the same testing and the same treatments, the same follow-up. They also acknowledged while we were there that, you know, that there's microclotting going on, that there's, you know, hypoxia. So this issue with, um, with, with, you know all of these other things there's issues there too so anyway so it was pretty interesting
0: well you know um your story every story is a little bit unique but or a lot unique and thank you for sharing that very powerful story but you know um there's similar there's a lot of similar stories as you know right um i will tell you you know one of the similar stories of 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 me and my wife, who are both pharmacists and we're not anti-vaxxers by any means. Um, We were two of the first pharmacists in Washington state to get certified to administer vaccines over 20 years ago and trained by the CDC program, all that. And we just thought something fishy was up with COVID-19. Now, the vaccine. Now, we had been questioning the flu vaccine for quite a while. Um, just because we started thinking about, you know, we're going to guess what kind of flu strain is going to come around the world this year. That didn't seem like really rational science. Um, and when the COVID one came out and then especially when they started recommending it for pregnant ladies right away, we're like, this is fishy. Um, and now we question all vaccines. You know, it just, it's really, really hard not to, it's really hard to believe anything they're saying anymore, especially about vaccines. And I think one thing you have to really question is, is, um, is why do they have immunity from lawsuits? I mean, they're the only, the only industry, the only organization that, that I know of that has immunity from lawsuits. If they're, um to hold them accountable for a product i mean that alone should be very questionable
1: 100 it's and that has been one of the most frustrating things to witness um through our organization to see the human impact of what that what that law means you know um we we work with people all day every day that are completely destroyed financially because of their illness they suffer every day, um, you know, and they can't. A lot of them they can't even get out of bed, let alone you know do work. Um, so it's it's really, you know, everything the drug company has lined up in the last thirty years, thirty seven years, thirty eight years after the um, nineteen eighty six law was put into place. Every single thing that they've been able to put into place has put them in a ideal situation to be able to completely control the narrative control the financial um, implications to maximize their profits Um, but it's on the backs of everyday people and the reality is is that none of us including yourself none of us have a choice whether we're going to get picked off by a vaccine or not none of us do it's totally russian roulette There's no equation that makes sense. There's no, you know, there's no increasing your odds, you know, by being healthy or whatever. I mean, like I was really healthy when I got my shot. But when it happens to you, you are completely on your own. The drug company is going to help you, you know, hide you. That's what they're going to do is they're going to hide you. And the only reason I say that is because I know, because I have been there, I have seen it firsthand. I wouldn't say that just for fun. You know, it's it's a very serious situation. The government is not going to help you either. Um, the politicians have no interest in touching this because it's such a taboo topic. Why? Because the drug companies and the governments have worked in concert together for years to make sure that the vaccines are seen as something that should be completely held, you know the highest standard. Um, there's two things, you know, in this world that you can't speak ill of. And one is, you know, soldiers in America and the second is actually vaccines. So
0: that's, true. <laughs> the, you know, one, that's
1: true. the one protects our freedom and the other is a complete, you know, just Russian roulette to see if it works. We don't know if they work. Okay. Um, we don't know if they're safe and, but you're not allowed to talk about it, right? You're not, you're not allowed to question it. You're not allowed to question the science it's you know but we've got to we've got to somehow figure out how to provide the right support for these for these people you know um they're they're suffering bad we've we've had a lot of people that have chosen to end their lives because they just can't they just can't get over it you know um and i and i understand that because every like right now um it feels like i'm being electrocuted all the time in my body right so you can't see that But it literally, it feels like, you know, I'm plugged into an electric socket all the time. And and my hands are going numb. And they've got the severe pins and needles. I've got pins and needles going up and down my legs. And I've got severe tinnitus. My heart is always, I can always tell my heart is beating. It's just funky all the time. Um, And it really just feels like my body is just trying to survive one beat, one heartbeat to the next, right? And at some point, it's going to give out. but I'm not the only one that's dealing with this 24-7. And just React 19, we have over 30,000 COVID vaccine-injured Americans. Wow. And these are all people that did as they were told, right? Whether they were forced to or whether they were like me, where they, you know, gladly signed up to do their part, right? Um, and the U.S. government, um, just so people understand, when the U.S. government has assured the American public that there are there's a safety net and that's called the the vicp or the cicp programs and those essentially are supposed to be compensation programs that if you get injured that they'll give you money so just so you understand how this is um we're two and a half years into this covid vaccine rollout here in the united states the united states has paid eight thousand six hundred dollars in total to four Americans who were injured by COVID vaccines. And they are for very narrow provisions, so anaphylaxis and myocarditis. If you're injured by anything else other than myocarditis or anaphylaxis, you are going to get $0. And which, you know, whatever, because they're gonna give you $1,500 if they give you an award. Um, the yeah. rejection rate for the compensation program is 97%. So by contrast, REC-19, we noticed that these people needed money. They they couldn't wait for you know the slow wheels of government to catch up to the problem so we have we have issued grants for well over half a million dollars to americans um, who need medical support and so these are people that you know they they come to us with a huge stack of medical bills they show us their bills and uh, we issue grants for up to ten thousand dollars
0: so That's that's really cool. Let's let's um yeah. let's get into that a little bit more later. We got some questions for some viewers. Um, don't know if you can answer this or not, but um, a loyal listener, Lee Pence, So the clinical trials were not peer reviewed.
1: So that's interesting. So they are peer reviewed, just like everything else. Um, so my clinical trial was peer reviewed, and it was published in the New England Journal of Medicine. Obviously, when the report was released. I uh, reached out to the New England Journal of Medicine and uh, appealed and said, "Hey, you need to, you know, issue an investigation or a rapid response, which is typical for this type of uh, concern." I heard back from Eric Rubin, who's the chief editor at the New England J- Journal of Medicine. He's also the guy that is famous for saying at the FDA meeting, "We won't know what happens to these, you know, with these shots until we start giving them to kids." Um, and he shot down my my um, my complaint. Um, he was not going to investigate. He was not going to appeal to AstraZeneca, work with them to see if they could put an investigation together uh, as to why my injury was not included in the report. And he said, to be completely honest, um, you are one in a study of tens of thousands. So I would suspect that it would have little to no effect. So there's a little bit of a conflict of interest from the top down. So yes, peer reviewed.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned about certain things we can't talk bad about and vaccine is one of them. I was in a a Facebook group before COVID um, well before COVID started and there was a naturopathic doctor that was leading the Facebook group and he mentioned somebody was talking about vaccines in there and he said, Hey, you guys, um, we can't talk about vaccines here. If you wanna if you want to get censored and blocked right away, the, the easiest way to do it is to, to talk about vaccines. So this is this has been going on. I didn't really know that at the time. I thought that was kind of crazy. Um but there was an underlying tone before COVID when it comes to vaccines, and I'm sure that you've you found that out.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs>
0: Um, we have a, another comment from a, a loyal listener and viewer. Um, Kelly Young. I actually went to to I, sh- I met her back in um, element in middle school. We're on the same team. Thank you, we rise. So thank you, Brianne, for for um COVID or for 19react.org. And here's your website. So tell us a little bit more about the organization. You told us a little bit about it, but tell us how people get involved and how people, um, you know, if somebody's been injured, what what they do.
1: So for injured individuals, we have an advocacy program. So we bring people in um, and we train them up to learn um, how to identify if, you know, if they need mental health support, Um, they help get them to the right doctors uh, through our provider network. Mostly we try to get them to doctors in their area. Sometimes they have to fly across the U.S. depending on how severe their their injury is. And then also we, we plug them into different support groups based on state and location um, so they can get to know other people. And it helps them, you know, not only physically but mentally. And the mental part is actually just as important as the physical part of, of the healing. And then we also have a provider network. So anyone that uh, whether you want to be public on our website or private, we do have a private referral network for providers that you know we need to send patients to incognito. Those providers are just as important just because of the things that they're able to do within the system um, to get people things like IVIG, uh or took some, have some of these higher, you know, just big club type drugs uh that cost a lot of money. And We're completely dependent on insurance to to pay for those. And then the other, of course, is you know, everyday people can donate. You can donate five bucks, ten bucks, twenty bucks. All the only reason that our organization exists is because of everyday donations. We don't have major philanthropic donations. We don't have corporate donors. (laughs) We'll never have corporate donors. No,
0: no. (laughs) right. (laughs) So,
1: but at the same time, we are one hundred percent volunteer um and the reason being is because we understand the importance of every single dollar that comes in because we we see what happens when that money accumulates and we're able to put that into the hands of someone who needs it
0: so, so i got to ask you um your your husband has his PhD in chemistry um does 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 he question some of the science that comes out now
1: yeah. So he, he was a lot like me. He didn't realize that for us to actually understand what was really going on, that he was going to have to go look at the clinical trial reports and, and the studies himself directly. Right. But as soon as this happened to me, then he started looking and it's been, it's been a horrible rabbit hole to go down, you know, to realize just what we have been lied to about. And it's been a lot. Right. Um, and, but it's also unfortunate that For the general public to understand really what's going on you essentially need a phd to go and look at the data yourself you know and and i would encourage anyone to do your own homework and do your own research um the problem is is every single one of us we have a filter and so we're going to filter the data to you know a certain side um but at the end of the day i mean the truth is what the truth is and the american public at large is not being told the truth and I think you probably see it too, that we're, we're approaching this new age where finally, I think Americans by and large through, because of the COVID pandemic are realizing that we've all been lied to, you know? And so that's kind of where we're at right now. It's like, we've all been lied to. We know that we've been lied to. So what's, what's the next step for us? Are we just going to allow them to continue to lie to us? Or are we going to step up and, and say, you know, no, we, we want better from our, from our leadership. We want better from, you know, from corporations that are giving us food, medications, you know, housing, whatever it is. Um, what are we going to tolerate? So, and that's something every American is going to have to answer for themselves.
0: I am optimistic that, what COVID did is it exposed a lot of this. And let's face it, you wouldn't be here with your organization helping people, and I wouldn't be here talking about this if it wasn't for that exposure. Now, my wife and I, two pharmacists that have questioned a lot of big pharma tactics for a while, it basically just you know, hammered that idea home. Um, and, and now we question our entire pharmacy education I mean seriously i mean not entire but mostly i mean we question it all and we and we should and and you say you have to basically have a phd to break down the studies i'm going to say yeah if you break down the studies yeah you you do need to know how those studies work absolute risk versus relative risk and all that um but uh, rational thinking goes a long ways and let's just talk about that with the vaccines And whether you're in healthcare, whether you have a PhD, whether you're a doctor, whether you're a pharmacist, or whether you're a lay person, let's just think about the history of vaccines, okay? Um, Vaccines have largely, pretty much mainstream-wise, they've been out for 70, 80 years, okay? Mm -hmm. How long had viruses been around? Polio, measles, flu, coronavirus? How long, they, how long have those viruses been around? Thousands of years? Right. Right. They didn't kill everybody. But now all of a sudden, coronavirus comes along. It's going to kill everybody. Look at the narrative of polio. If you do the history on the polio vaccine in the 50s, talk to my, my parents who were young kids then, their grandparents, their parents, my grandparents, did not want their kids to go outside because they thought they were gonna get polio and they were gonna get crippled and and end up on an iron lung. And then magically, boom, a vaccine comes around to save everybody. I mean, seriously, but how long had polio been around? I mean, that's just rational thinking. It, it, it's kind of like um cholesterol. You know, there's drugs out there that lower cholesterol. I don't believe cholesterol causes heart attacks at all. I don't, I definitely don't believe you know um eating red meat which we've been told and eating eggs and eating bacon causes heart attacks why let's be rational about it how long has human how long have humans eaten red meat bacon eggs uh millennia i mean so to think all of a sudden we found the magic thing that causes heart attacks let's not put the the big food industry on the line here, and talk about all the packaged food and the processed foods that people right. have eaten over the last fifty years. Let's not talk about that. Let's let's blame right. it on red meat that we've been eating for thousands of years. That that's not rational. I mean, you don't you don't need a PhD to to, to really to break those things down. And I just talk about those things. It's like you know, when your gut doesn't seem right, that's when you should really question things. And that's when we're also yep. said we're told to trust the science, right?
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: So trust I mean, them.
1: Right. Yeah, and exactly. So Robert Califf, who's the new FDA director, he actually said that he said, everybody, we need to follow the science, we need to trust the science. And so we, uh, we, the injury got a little upset with them. We told them, no, you want us to trust you because science is to be tested. Science is to be challenged. Science is to be questioned. Science is
0: not to be trusted. And it changes. It's dynamic. And yep. we find out more information. And and that's another thing that we should we should really question. When, when somebody says, um, trust the science, or or your doctor or pharmacist says, oh, no, just trust me, don't. And and I tell my patients all the time, I'm like, don't, don't believe what I'm saying. Please do your own research. I, I, I want you to do your own research. And if you find out more information that's different, please let me know. Um, I think we just have to be, we have to have open and honest conversations. And anytime somebody tries to. To to censor you or say, just trust me, that's when we should really be leery.
1: Right. I agree. Yeah. It's, and it's kind of crazy. I mean, to be from, to go from one extreme to the other, I mean, you know, I see both sides of the fence and both sides, really both groups of people, they, they don't want people to be harmed. Both groups of people do not want disease to be running around rampant in the world. Both groups of people want to protect grandma and you know and the babies and everybody else, um, but they both have different approaches. And so, you know, it's 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 really too bad, you know, that there's a lot of powerful people that have been able to divide us as much as they have. And at the end of the day, we all have people in our families and in our friendship circles on both sides of the fence, and I think that's a healthy healthy way to be we've got to we've got to continue to not allow them to segregate us we need to continue to stop you know we need to put a total block on the vitriol and the hate that comes with this you know this difference in opinion right um because that's nobody is going to win that way the drug companies i guess will win but yeah. everyday people we're not going to win So. The most powerful thing that we can do is to talk to each other, listen to each other, listen to each other's stories. You know, I listen to, there's there's people on the internet that they go after, people that have long COVID, people that have lost loved ones to COVID, and they're pretty darn nasty to them. They're like, well, how do you know it's not actually the vaccine? It's like, you know, what, if somebody's hanging on, you know, that day for their life, it doesn't matter if it's COVID or the vaccine, they're suffering. And they probably just need someone to listen to them, you know. Um, so, you know, I'm I'm a preschool by preschool teacher by trade, and that's still, you know, that you know the basic social skills that we teach the preschool kids. It's still it applies today for you know just modern society at large. Yes, <laughs> yes, and it's harder to teach adults actually, which is why. I went into preschool because little kids are—they're way easier to teach this stuff. But <laughs> you know, we really can learn a lot from the little kids. We we make things way too complicated. We have made everything in society more complicated than it needs to be. But um, you know, at the same time, I do have hope. But it starts with where we are right now, which, like I said before, Americans know they've been lied to. So we've got to kind of just keep, you know, laying out. A few breadcrumbs here and there yep. for them to pick up when they're ready.
0: And the first step is just realizing that and getting the word out like you're doing. So thank you for doing that. Uh, Brianne, as we wrap this podcast up, tell us what you have a passion for.
1: Um, <laughs> I have a passion for, well, I love music. So, and I, and I, I love being a mom. So those are my two first and foremost. Um, my second uh, close number to you know to being a mom to my kids is is really to foster hope and healing for our injured family as we've come to you know because we really have built this amazing community of injured Americans
0: so as we wrap this podcast up yeah. um, uh, tell us uh, what's the best way to hold you
1: um, so through react 19org people can fill out the form and um, and You know, they can get answers to all our questions. We have um, 3,400 studies um, that are linked to adverse events to the COVID vaccines. Those are up on our website. And if you're a pharmacist, there's resources for you there. There's patient education webinars. So if you have a problem with your body and you're not sure what to do about it, there's webinars there. And like I said before, there's the advocacy program, which is a fantastic way to get plugged in uh, into this, this community. And we also, we need volunteers to help, you know, whether it's advocacy or providers or helping get the word out or helping us find, you know, funds so we can get that money into the hands of those who need it. The, the task at hand is great. And, um, and we definitely, we can't do this alone. So
0: I love it. I love it. Brianne, thank you so much for, um, for being on our podcast today and thank you so much for for fighting for those that have been injured by by the COVID-19 vaccine. I really, really appreciate it. Thank
1: you for having me.
0: All right. And listeners and viewers, thank you for tuning in uh, to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Tune in Monday, our regularly scheduled podcast, 12.30 to one thirty. Speaking of children, we're going to be talking about best way to talk to your children and educate your children on fitness and nutrition. You don't want to miss out on that. Sean Casey will be back on our podcast. So 12.30 to one thirty Pacific Standard Time, Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Thank you for tuning in.